Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. ICE wants to give ID cards to illegal immigrants. The agency says paper documents are inefficient, but why do some lawmakers oppose the plan? Arkansas Republicans disqualify one county's newly elected GOP delegates, but the county's new chairperson says it's a case of established Republicans trying to maintain power and not giving the state convention all the facts. Heavy rains and infrastructure damage are holding up efforts to rescue flood-stricken residents in Kentucky. Governor Andy Bashir says the death toll has risen to 28. And California's largest wildfire of 2022 grew larger over the weekend. Firefighters are trying to protect remote communities. The McKinley Fire has burned 51,000 acres so far. Efforts are underway to rescue Kentucky residents hit by massive flooding last week, but damaged infrastructure and bad weather are complicating the process. Here's that story. Sunday's heavy rains hampered rescue efforts for Kentucky residents caught in massive flooding. National Guard Bureau Chief General Daniel Hawkinson said their helicopters have rescued about 400 people from floodwaters. Some 20 others were rescued by boat from hard-to-reach areas. So when you look at the outset, obviously um, we use a lot of our rotary wing helicopters to rescue people, to get to areas that are maybe isolated or cut off. And if the weather is really bad, sometimes that limits our ability to get into there. But our air crews have done amazing work to get in there. Flash flood warnings were issued for at least eight counties in eastern Kentucky. The National Weather Service said radar detected up to four inches of rain in some areas Sunday. More rainfall is likely still to come. Governor Andy Bashir announced that the death toll has climbed to 28, a number he expects to keep rising. He said it may take weeks to find all the victims. More than 380 Kentuckians have moved into shelters open for flood victims. But according to the Federal Emergency Management Agency's daily briefing, 37 people were unaccounted for during the search and rescue operation early Sunday. Among those affected by the flood were Harvey Thomas and his uncle Hubert. They fled to Jenny Wiley State Resort Park in Prestonburg after high water destroyed their home late Wednesday. I don't know where, even where to start, what to do, where to go. Uh, just, a, just a lot for, I guess, people around here to take in. It's, it's, more, it's worse than anything that we've ever seen. And probably one of the worst disasters around here in probably history, I'd say. Hubert, a retired coal miner, says his entire savings had been invested into his home. The two were able to rescue their dog, but fear the damage to their home is beyond repair. Even so, they remain hopeful. Mountain people are strong, and uh, like I said, it's not going to be tomorrow, probably not next month, but I think everybody's going to be okay. It's just, it's just going to be a long process. According to PowerOutage.us, more than 14,000 Kentucky residents are still without power. President Joe Biden has declared a federal disaster, sending relief to more than a dozen counties in the state. Arizona police have released a video of a woman being rescued. She was trapped in her car by rising floodwaters in Apache Junction, Arizona. Come here, hurry, hurry! Get up! Get out of your thing! The body cam video was released by the Apache Junction Police Department. It shows officers telling the trapped motorist to hurry and grab the rope so they can pull her out of the car as the water was rising. The woman yells back that her dog is trapped with her in the vehicle. The rescuers pull her out shouting, give me your other hand, I will get your dog, get out of the car now. They pulled her out of the passenger window but could not find the animal. 
The Apache Junction Police Department said in a statement, as the monsoon continues, we want to remind you to never drive on flooded roads. Crews are battling the largest wildfires so far this year in California and trying to protect remote communities. Thunderstorms, lightning, and hot, windy conditions created additional fire growth over the weekend. I left the night of the fire. Just a month after moving to her new home in Northern California, Harleen Althea Schwander has lost everything she owns to the fast-moving McKinney fire sweeping through the state. I still hadn't put my furniture of antiques, three generations of beautiful things, all of my paintings. I'm an artist. I painted horses playing poker, <laughs> and it, they're all gone. And I'm very sad. My house is gone, all my furniture, all my clothes, shoes, coats, boots, everything's gone. Over two decades of drought and rising temperatures have made California more vulnerable than ever to wildfires. Schwander's home was just off Highway 96, where the McKinney fire first erupted, before spreading across and scorching over some 51,000 acres to date. When I saw it coming over from the community center, and they told, I just saw it explode by, in the dark, I knew the house was gone, because I knew right where it was. And, and the fire department came and told me, she said, just leave now. Schwander has since been evacuated to a Red Cross shelter in the nearby town of Weed, where local officials anticipate many more residents to come, with 2,000 people and counting having been forced to flee. Michelle Hogue is one of the volunteers at the shelter. I had a chance to walk through the shelter and I see people sitting together, talking together, finding comfort in a shared problem and, um, and sitting in a place that's safe, so that it's a good thing and the volunteers are all available to talk and share and help them cope. The McKinney fire was 0% contained as of Sunday, according to the latest data shared by officials. Illegal immigrants are set to receive ID cards. ICE confirmed the plan, but some lawmakers are trying to stop it. The Biden administration has confirmed a plan that would give identification cards to illegal immigrants. The new ID is called Secure Docket Card. Illegal immigrants only received paper documents in the past. However, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, told the Epic Times that paper documents pose a security risk and are inefficient while the new card will save the agency millions of dollars, free up resources, and ensure information is quickly accessible. Some Republicans oppose the program. They say the Biden administration should work on cracking down on illegal immigration instead of making it easier for them to obtain identification. Two House Republicans wrote a letter to the acting ICE director saying, we are concerned that this pilot program is yet another Biden administration move encouraging illegal immigration by rewarding illegal immigrants for breaking our laws. Republican Representative Jeff Van Drew was on Newsmax, also expressing his concerns about the card. So they're going to have an ID card even though they're not legal Americans at all. They're illegal, undocumented. The only thing they should be accessed is a trip back across the border. The representative is drafting legislation that would ensure no American tax dollars will be spent on these cards. According to ICE, the card will not be an official form of federal identification. They also say it would be provided only after national security background checks have been performed. A retired career border patrol officer explained in a podcast with the Center for Immigration Studies why immigration laws exist. One factor is national security. He used the 9-11 attacks as an example. Terrorists were in the U.S. on student visas, even though none of them were actually students. If we pay due attention to who people really are and what they're up to, 
then we could have avoided 9-11 entirely and several other attacks in the United States. He says immigration laws are meant to protect four things, public health, public safety, national security, and jobs and wages. House Republicans say the Biden administration has released over a million illegal immigrants into the interior of the United States so far. In one Arkansas county, it seems there's a battle for control of the Republican Party. A grassroots movement to get involved has met with resistance from established Republicans. They argue the way the new members have won their seats wasn't valid. Entity's Jessica Beatty reports. State delegates at the Republican Party of Arkansas on July 23rd voted to disqualify one county's newly elected delegates for reasons those new delegates say are untrue. It all started in June in Little Rock, Arkansas. People voted out the current chair and delegate seats of the Pulaski County Republican Committee. But some members of the committee alleged in a complaint that the election was fraught with irregularities. They accused the new chairperson, Lori Justice, of not being impartial and of attempting a slate election with a pre-printed list of delegates. According to the complaint, three different sets of ballots contained errors. It says despite that, the new chairperson allowed the ballots and the votes to continue so they'd have their preferred slate of candidates in place. In response, the new chairperson, Lori Justice, said those accusations are untrue. She said all ballot complaints were accommodated and resolved, with no complaints existing prior to the final ballot. She said no one raised an objection the night of the vote, and the complainants waited over two weeks and handed in their complaint two days before the state convention. Justice told the Epic Times at the Credentials Committee hearing the day before the state convention she was the only one allowed in the building. The new delegates, whose legitimacy was being challenged, were left outside with two armed guards blocking the door. Justice told the Epic Times she thinks the complaint is about power. She said the old guard didn't like that these new people won and they perceived it as a takeover. At the state convention, Arkansas Republicans voted to uphold the Credentials Committee's decision to disqualify the delegates. Justice said only half the facts were presented and that's what they drew from because that's all they knew. She said they basically disenfranchised 71 people who were duly voted as delegates to the convention. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. We reached out to the Republican Party of Arkansas and the Pulaski County Republican Committee for comment, but didn't immediately hear back. And in other news, the U.S. Postal Service confirmed it has a division that will oversee mail-in ballots in future elections. The new division is called Election and Government Mail Services. Its director says the division will oversee election mail strike teams and local communities to deal with possible problems. The Postal Service is sending guidance letters to election officials in each state and territory this week. Several months ago, the White House requested $5 billion to support mail-in voting operations over the next 10 years. Former President Donald Trump and some Republicans say that mail-in ballots invite fraud and are unreliable. In 2005, former Democratic President Jimmy Carter and former White House Chief of Staff James Baker released a report. It found that mail-in and absentee ballots are the largest source of potential voter fraud. But in May 2020, Carter released a statement that called on states to expand mail-in voting due to COVID-19. One of the last Navajo code talkers dies at age 98. Samuel Sandoval died near his home in New Mexico. His wife told the Associated Press he died late Friday. Navajo code talkers used their language to create undecipherable messages for the U.S. in World War II battles with Japan. 
Hundreds of Navajos were recruited to use their unwritten language to help the war effort. Now only three remain alive. The Code Talkers were recruited by the Marines and took part in all World War II Pacific assaults. They sent messages about Japanese troop movement and other critical communications. The Japanese couldn't decipher the codes, and the Navajo are credited with helping the U.S. win the war. Before he died, Sandoval was looking forward to a museum to honor the Code Talkers. The museum is to be built at the Navajo Nation Capitol in Window Rock, Arizona. And coming up, Russia's president signs a new naval doctrine. It says the United States and NATO are Russia's greatest threats. President Putin made no mention of Ukraine. And Ukraine's first grain shipment leaves port in Odessa after a deal is signed with Russia and other parties. The ship heads to Lebanon on a Sierra Leone flagged ship. Find out more right here on NTD News. Welcome back. Taiwanese and U.S. government officials reportedly expect that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will visit Taiwan. That's despite her trip not being on an official schedule of her Asia tour. That's according to CNN. The Taiwanese official says Pelosi will stay on the island overnight. The U.S. official said the Defense Department is monitoring the situation for aggression from the Chinese regime and that they have a plan to keep Pelosi safe. Beijing is continuing to issue threats in relation to Pelosi's visit. The House Speaker was in Singapore today. Pelosi has long been a critic of the Chinese Communist Party. In 1991, she held up a banner in Tiananmen Square to commemorate the victims of the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre in Beijing. And in Ukraine, the first ship has departed Odessa. The landmark grain deal allows Ukrainian grain to be moved to Lebanon. The Sierra Leone flagship Rizzoni left the Ukrainian Black Sea port this morning bound for Lebanon. The ship is carrying more than 26,000 metric tons of corn. It was set to undergo an inspection in Istanbul on its way to Lebanon. It's the first departure since the Russian invasion blocked shipping through the Black Sea five months ago. The grain deal aims to allow safe passage for grain shipments in and out of three ports in the Odessa region. The world's largest chemical company is set to further cut its production of ammonia amid soaring natural gas prices. Germany's BASF announced the decision after the release of its second quarter results. The company says it's reducing production at facilities that use large amounts of natural gas, such as ammonia plants. Ammonia is a key ingredient in fertilizer production and also plays a key role in plastic manufacturing. Ammonia production also yields high-purity carbon dioxide. It's a byproduct, which can then be used in meatpacking and for carbonated drinks. The company's CEO said that in 2023, farmers would see high fertilizer costs and fertilizer might be less available. Chemical companies are the biggest industrial users of natural gas in Germany, and ammonia is the single most gas-intensive product within that industry. Other German ammonia makers have said they can't rule out production cuts amid disruptions in Russian gas supplies. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a new naval doctrine on Sunday. It cast the United States and NATO as Russia's main rival. While inspecting the country's fleet, Putin set out Russia's naval ambitions for crucial areas like the Arctic and in the Black Sea. Putin was speaking on the nation's Navy Day in the former imperial capital of St. Petersburg, a city founded by Tsar Peter the Great. 
The president praised Peter for making Russia a great sea power and increasing the global standing of the Russian state. Shortly before, Putin signed a new 55-page doctrine, setting out the Navy's strategic aims and its ambitions as a great maritime power extending over the entire world. It says the main threat to Russia is the, quote, strategic policy of the USA to dominate the world's oceans, as well as the NATO military alliance moving closer towards its borders. If soft powers like diplomatic and economic tools have been exhausted, the doctrine claims Russia may use appropriate military force. Putin did not mention the conflict in Ukraine during his speech. Putin added that delivery of Russia's unique Zircon hypersonic cruise missiles would begin within months, emphasising his ambition to be able to respond to threats to Russia's sovereignty with, quote, lightning speed. Hypersonic weapons can travel at nine times the speed of sound. Over the past year, Russia's conducted test launches of the Zircon missiles from warships and submarines. U.S. troops on NATO's eastern border carried out exercises with their Romanian counterparts. This was at an air base near the Black Sea coast on Saturday. Our deployment to Romania, Bulgaria, Hungary and Slovakia represents the ironclad commitment of the United States to our NATO allies. We are only 198 miles from the fighting that is raging today in Kherson, Ukraine, which means that our deployment to Romania makes us the most forward-deployed force in the United States military. General McGee is the commander of the 101st Airborne Division based out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. In Romania, the division deployed from helicopters and carried out combat exercises as helicopters and jets flew in formation. Troops began arriving in Romania at the end of June as part of a mission to bolster NATO forces in the region. The U.S. Army in Europe said on its website that they are also there to deter further Russian aggression. McGee said that each of the nations flanking Russia that now hold U.S. troops are all countries that fought alongside the U.S. in Afghanistan. On Thursday, the air forces of seven NATO countries conducted joint air-to-ground drills in Romania. And coming up, four divers are at the front line of saving coral reefs in the Indian Ocean off Kenya's coast. They plant special structures that encourage displaced corals to grow. Find out more right here on NTD News. Divers in Kenya are helping to restore coral reefs. That's by planting special structures that encourage displaced corals to grow. Their initiative comes as the UN Ocean Conference in Lipson discusses how to protect these valuable ecosystems. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Diving into the waters of a Danish fjord, these underwater gardeners are planting and pruning for a better future. It's part of a five-year project run by the University of Southern Denmark. The eelgrass or the seagrass is uh, fundamental to life in Vejlefjord and into our inner, inner uh, seas in Denmark. It's like a nursery for the small fishes. Uh, it's like the, the forests of the sea. Vejle Fjord on Jutland's east coast has seen years of degradation, mainly due to dirty water discharge from the land and the city. Divers take surviving grass from remaining beds and wrap individual shoots around a degradable iron nail. Divers then pin them to the sea floor. What we do is we transplant eelgrass from one mother bed. We still have eelgrass in our fjord, but not that much. But we can take and transplant from the good areas into the remaining desert part of the fjord. 
The degradation is not just bad for the fish and wildlife habitat, it's also bad for the climate because the meadows are effective at storing carbon dioxide. We have been calculating a little bit on this and without going into details on the, on the scale, we know that uh, the fixation of carbon is just as much as it is in the, in the rainforest of Brazil. So there is a, a huge potential. At a similar project nearby, plant density grew up to 70 times higher and fields with transplants extended by approximately 30%. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And in health news, do you know how many systems in our bodies are governed by hormones? While these chemicals do a lot of good, they can cause havoc sometimes. So is there a way to restore their orderly arrangement? Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body. Your hormones are the master controller of your entire body and how it functions. Therefore, it's pretty important we understand these little chemicals and how they impact our daily lives. Dr. Erica Schwartz says hormones are used by every cell in our body. She's written four books on the subject. Hormones affect many things including mood, metabolism, reproduction and growth and development. If you have mood swings, hormones could be responsible. Dr. Schwartz suggests getting your levels checked. If changes are required, try the following first. Start by getting enough sleep. It's the single most important thing to start with. Less than the recommended seven to eight hours per night results in unbalanced hormones. Next up, be sure to eliminate artificial sweeteners. Dr. Schwartz says dump the diet soda and other sugar-free junk foods. They wreak havoc on hormones. Next, don't forget to avoid caffeine and alcohol. They stress your adrenal glands which are located just above your kidneys. Their role is to control production of hormones like DEHA, progesterone, cortisol, estrogen and testosterone. With stress and the adrenals, cortisol kicks in. Therefore, coffee and alcohol aren't the answer. Next, be sure to avoid toxins. I'm talking about pesticides, plastics, chemical cleaners and tap water. Any of these contain BPA and plasticizers. They disrupt the endocrine gland. It's pretty hard to eliminate them completely, but try using glass or non-plastic containers, plant-based cleaners, bioorganic foods, toiletries and filter your water. Another tip is to source natural spring water. Look up findaspring.com. And finally, reduce stress. Try meditation before the family wakes. It can cleanse your mind. There's also Falun Gong, yoga, Tai Chi, or perhaps a relaxing holiday. These are a few tips to keep your hormones operating smoothly. And over the weekend, a team of 22 workers unfurled the world's biggest Swiss flag on an alpine cliff to mark the country's national day on August 1st. The nearly 70,000 square foot banner featuring the white cross on a red field weighs around 1,500 pounds. It took 600 hours of work to make. The flag was unfurled on Mount Santis for the eighth time. People gathered to watch while bands played traditional Swiss music. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. Thank you.